Welcome to the Your Path to Purpose podcast. Living a life that gets you jumping out of bed with excitement. I'm your host, Gaz Morgan, and I'm a certified emotional intelligence practitioner, an international sales and leadership coach, and also a keynote speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to help individuals in both their business and their personal lives. And in this particular episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Alex Mead, who I call Mr. Customer Experience. Alex is passionate about delivering top-class customer experiences, and he strives to make life better for customers. If you actually want to improve your customer experience, you're going to absolutely love what Alex has to say in this episode. I really hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Your Path to Purpose podcast, Alex Mead. Welcome, sir. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. It's nearly one o'clock here in Bahrain. I, I set a, a professional goal, don't have a drink before 5 p.m., but the Zoom calls I'm having, I fail that goal most days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised, not surprised being in Bahrain. So first of all, tell us, why are you in, why are you in Bahrain? I mean, I'm happy. I mean, I'm in sunny Surrey today and it's quite <laughs> beautiful here and, I, and I'm not going to complain because I do love it. But I, there is a part of me that feels kind of envious, especially with with the picture behind you, the backdrop that I can see there. And... I'll show you the ocean there, but I won't, I won't no, make you that Don't tease me, don't tease me. So, yeah, so why am I here? Yeah, why am I here? I, um, first of all, I came here just as lockdown was happening, literally the last flight out of the UK. So um, for a year and a half, I could have been anywhere in the world like most people. So, um, But I originally came out here um, for a short-term contract to do some work with an airline group out here. And then um, it was Middle Eastern clients. And I'm, I'm lucky that I've lived, stroke lived, or stayed and lived and worked in over 30 countries. So Bahrain could have been um, South America, could have been Asia, could have been Africa. Um, the worst place I ever had to work was Grand Cayman. Worst, being opposite of the worst. What a joy that was. But anyway, um, sometimes I forgot to work whilst I was there. But now I'm here. Um, originally, but the last um, year and a half, I've been working for a digital startup bank here in the Middle East. And... The CEO, uh, the headhunter said, I've got a CEO. He's going to be launching the coolest digital bank in the Middle East. And he wanted to have the most amazing customer experience. And as per every CEO, finding out what was in his head and, and what's in my head, there's a massive difference. But that's what I've been doing for the last year and a half. So I'm staying here because I'm working for a particular company here. But half of the workforce are all over the world. And you could be anywhere these days, I'd like to think. Yeah, and I think that's what's great about, I mean, there's many horrible things that happened throughout lockdown and and i'm sure we've all had different all got different stories in terms of you know the sadness that it caused and the, the frustrations and whatever else but then i think at the same time there were some benefits and and i think this being one of them you know the remote working the hybrid working all of those things I think um, for me, they're, they're a plus if they're done correctly, obviously. Um, we come on to that in terms of customer experience, I'm sure. Um, and there are some, there are some um, great life experiences as well. It's not all about work. So um, my brother works in Qatar, in Doha, which um, 
if you get a map, Bahrain is an island, uh, like a, a peninsula, I guess you'd call it. So is Qatar. Um, a boat would take 20 kilometers to get there. There's no bridge, there's no boat, there's no flight. I had to drive 500 kilometers to get to my brother's this weekend. And my um, my mum and dad had gone to Qatar to see my brother for uh, Mother's Day because uh, they, they had a, a holiday cancelled because of uh, winds and coronas. Jet to another story. Um, so my brother said, your mum and dad are in Qatar. Can't you come and see them? And I looked at flights, I looked at boats, I thought, ah, oh, it's too much. So, But I knew I couldn't miss the opportunity. So I, I drove all the way on Friday and I actually got to my brother's apartment 10 minutes before they got back with my parents from the airport. And I went into the uh, reception and said, is there anybody that stays in this building that looks like a bit older, uglier version of me? He's my older brother. That's Chris, 43C, they knew straight away. So um, <laughs> I, any chance you could sneak me into the apartment? Because I want to surprise everyone, not just my parents. And they came into the apartment. I heard them talking and I said, you might want to check your balcony by text. They came out on the balcony. Oh, my God. And my mum nearly had a heart attack. Happy Mother's Day. So yeah, oh. but I, I drove, the last part of the story is I drove back on yesterday morning torrential sandstorm blowing across this four lane thing they literally there was one lane because the sand was oh it was crazy there were three tankers turned over my, my attitude was go as fast as you can alex the speed cameras can't get you in in qatar and saudi arabia which is true and uh yeah so i was doing doing uh beep 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 miles per hour in case someone <laughs> uh, uh anyway yeah so that's an experience i wouldn't have got in croydon or so or anywhere certainly wouldn't have been getting that so that was good so anyway just just reverse let's reverse so where did it all begin for you then so where was where was you born where where was home for you growing up and what was growing up like for you alex yeah i was a stone's throw between uh, southampton and bournemouth and um I could have probably supported Bournemouth. Literally, uh, I was very close to either side. And sometimes I wished I supported Bournemouth, but now I'm happy to be a Southampton fan. Uh, born there, my father was in the Royal Air Force. I was the youngest of three boys. And he reminds us quite a lot that he used to cycle 10 miles to work and back every day. And we, we lived in shoebox in Millwood Road. And it was literally a, a converted room above a garage where apparently there was one bedroom and the kids were just chucked in the corner I'm, I'm sure he's exaggerating a bit but he was a he was royal air force through and through and um fortunately towards the end of his career he's still alive thank goodness um he was a master lo master so he, he got a great pension at the end uh, so royal air force upbringing and some of his whilst you're in my house you'll be out of bed at, by 9 a.m every morning and when you're 19 you're crawling in at 4 a.m there's a bit of conflict happening. <laughs> uh, we had chores we literally had chores the stuff that is is great nowadays but when you're that age you hate it mine was vacuuming or dusting or walking the dog every day you had a chore when you're young you hate oh my god but when you realize it is instilling structure into you and um so i'm never late for a meeting without apologizing uh or, or trying to give a heads up um so i had a royal air force father my eldest brother um wanted to be a civil engineer he's a civil engineer he's now working for qatar airways in in doha getting paid very well my middle brother wanted to be a uh, an artist of some sort and we found he was the most amazing graphic artist he could literally sketch something and it would be the most amazing so He's been doing graphic design for 30 odd years. And as me, didn't know what I wanted to be. I, I was a football player. I, I did play for minor counties at cricket and um, semi-professional football. 
thought I was Matthew Letizier and Alan Shearer combined. I was probably the worst bit of Matthew Letizier and Alan Shearer combined, not the best bits <laughs> in my mind I was. Um, I've always tried to sing. I, I, I still sing now. I think I'm Bono at a U2. I often have the dream where Ed says, Bono's sick. Can anyone feel for him? I will. Uh, yeah, so I had all these crazy ideas. And when I was, um, I, I studied computer systems. I got a degree in IT. And I realized, oh, I don't want to work in IT. It's so boring. Why am I doing this? So I went to Canada and um, so I went to Fort Lauderdale. So I met a Canadian nurse, came back to the UK and thought, oh, I don't want to work for IBM. I want to go and see that Canadian nurse in Hamilton, Ontario. So my Royal Air Force father, Dad, I've just turned down my management career with IBM. What? Uh, I'm going to go to Canada and, and just see what happens for a year. And sometimes your parents surprise you. He said, okay, son, here's the money for a ticket. Here's some money for your pocket. Get out of your system. And in that one year, I started off selling sports socks out of canvas bags, set up an IT sales company, ironically. And we made 10 million Canadian dollars, about 2 million US dollars at the time. And um, I was driving a Camaro sports car. I had money in my apartment, which was above mountain, not below mountain. I was in the cool place. The guy who... I set up the company with, gave me all the money in my pocket I wanted to. And I literally created this company for him. It was my English entrepreneurism. And at the end of the year, he said, Alex, um, lesson for you. Um, I don't need you anymore. I'm not extending your visa. I've been lying when I said I've been extending it. Uh, you have 48 hours to leave Canada or they're going to deport you and you can't come back for 10 years. Uh, so I had, to, I had to phone my Royal Air Force father. Dad, you see, Mum, such a success. Uh, have you got the money for a return ticket? Because I'd literally spent every money I was being given. And um, again, he surprised me. Yes, son, here you are. And I landed back at my parents' house, 22-year-old. How, how humiliating after Playboy and a huge bachelor pad. Son, I've booked you an interview tomorrow because whilst you're in my house, you will be earning money as a customer service agent with a water utility company. Oh, God, Dad. So there I was with a headset on, welcome to water, how can I help you? Oh God, and that's how I fell into what I do now. So that's the genesis of why I'm customer service and customer experience. Long answer to a short question, sorry. Wow, that's great, that's great. So all the way through there then, so you had your highs, you had your lows. Um, that's not just as a saint supporter either, I guess. <laughs> really, uh, yeah. You know, that's that's beside the point. As I said earlier on, I'm a Spurs, I'm a Spurs supporter, so I know I know plenty about highs and lows, and there's more lows than there are highs, I can tell you. But Absolutely. that that aside, in terms of your career then, so we fast forward, you're now this individual, because you mentioned there about being headhunted. So tell us a little bit more about your purpose and where you are now because i know you from through through linkedin that's where we kind of met and our paths crossed and and i know this this amazing reputation you've got within the contact center world to do with the customer experience and and it's amazing but how does that fit with your purpose really Alex? absolutely, absolutely. so um career-wise let me just stop my phone beeping up Go for it. Edit. Of course. Add right. a commercial break. Back. Done. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, I didn't really have a purpose uh, other than being a professional football player or Bono, um, which was a long shot purpose. I didn't really have a professional purpose. But then when I started working in customer in a contact center uh, for a utility company in the mid 90s, so a long time ago, 
I realized, God, it's so much inefficiency and customers ask questions that they're frustrated. And, and I, I would be frustrated if I was that customer too. And I found that my purpose is I get as angry as every customer that's angry talking to me with how they're we're creating the situation that makes them angry. And it literally, even now, it drives me insane when I see bad customer experience. So in, in a nutshell, I, I had to work my way up the ladder, agent, team leader, supervisor, etc. And I managed to get myself to be the head of department. And I, I was not going to settle for, hey, well done, we did 80% of X today or 90% of Y. It was like, why are we making every, why are we letting any customers down? What, what does perfect look like? And for a water utility company, clearly there wasn't a huge lot I could do there. But I realized my purpose isn't to work in customer experience or customer service to deliver KPIs or SLAs. It's to try and make the company I'm working for stand out for the most amazing customer experience in the sector. I don't think I've ever delivered that. So it's the, that's what drives me, though. I never take a job and say, hey, we're going to answer 80% calls in 20 seconds. No, I say, why are customers having to phone us in the first place? If they don't want to, why can't they use other channels, etc.? So, so I went out a utility company and then finance company. And then probably the biggest career break I had is um, a, a company that delivered half a million parcels a day owned by Rentical Initial in the early 2010s. And um, along with Yodel and DPD and Hermes, all these terrible companies, um, parcel experience was hopeless. You didn't know what day they were coming, let alone what hour. We, um, there was one day we were delivering, I think, 490,000 parcels. We got 120,000 phone calls about parcels. So things were wrong. And so we couldn't answer hardly any. We answered probably 10% of those calls. The agents answering the calls had no information either. I can't tell you, Mr. Customer, where it is either. Sorry. Hopefully the driver will be there later. So their existence was woeful. They were miserable. They were depressed. If they ever had some information that said, I now need to talk to a depot, they'd phone the depot. The depot would be like, oh, why should we help you? We're too busy doing other things. And the whole thing was so badly broken. But fortunately, the group CEO of this 60,000 employee company, he'd taken uh, his own um, mantle that he was going to invest in customer experience for this parcel delivery company. He personally would back it. And they created a new role, a director of customer care. And a recruiter said, hey, Alex, are you interested? I looked at the reviews. God, no, I'm not touching it. It was shocking. <laughs> you know, they're, they're crap. They're awful. They're the worst company ever. And uh, but then I, I met unusually for an interview experience. I didn't meet the HR people. The first person I met was the group chief executive. It was astonishing. And I'd had an operation called a septorhinoplasty. So my nose had been smashed and broken and reshaped. And the internal, because I'd broken it through cricket and football, and he just had a skiing accident. So he had a cast on his leg, a broken leg in a wheelchair. And I walked in with a cast on my nose and black eyes and weird it off like a house on fire. And um, I said, Alan, that was his name. If I work for you, um, you please just trust me and back me. Um, otherwise, don't hire me because I literally get so angry and frustrated when I see bad CX. But, um, um, and if I pointed out, to my peers, my executives, and I don't point out with words, I point it out with facts, and they still don't back me, I literally get really, really frustrated. So if you want to hire someone who's going to be nice, don't hire me. If you want someone who's really going to push you and push you and push you, hire me. And that that role was so amazing because we were the jump forward a year and a half after I joined. We answered 95% calls in 30 seconds, but that's because we had 150th of the phone calls because we are proactively telling customers what time to expect their parcel will be there between one and two. We were the first to do that. 
which sounds so easy. But to do that, we had to get 3,000 delivery drivers to adhere to a route, which for six months they wouldn't adhere to in any other money. And they wouldn't adhere to the route because they had stuff in their head that meant the route was baloney. So the whole, but it all started with my vision of, wouldn't it be amazing for us to tell a customer what time to expect the parcel? And if there's an issue, they can contact us without having to sit in a call center queue and we'll be honest and transparent. And that vision was like, don't be stupid, Alex, it's impossible. And but because the CEO bought into the vision, we, we broke down every single obstacle. We went on road shows to 70 depots to talk. And the, the thing that drove me was, we now have a vision that's gonna make us awesome. And I'm literally, ah, yes, I'm, I've now got a mandate. And um, so but that's what drives my passion for what I do. And any role that, um, hey, Alex, you're gonna be our chief customer officer. Our role is to deliver ARPU revenue increase of 2%. Not interested. If our if our goal is just to give the most amazing customer experience, to constantly innovate and do better things than others, then that that's what drives me. And the last point of that is, still now I have so many ideas that are where customer experience should be, and I can't think of a single company that's halfway near them. So I will never get to my what I want to do, but it just drives me every single day, yeah, and I get frustrated every single day. I get a small yay, like Southampton. Yay, they 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 get it. We're doing this, and then I'm always like, ah, oh, we just lost. You know, it's the same feeling every day. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely a um, a correlation between customer experience and and supporting Spurs, Southampton. Yeah, Spurs, Southampton. <laughs> although we'll never forgive you for Gareth Bale. Oh. Well, yeah, but it took a while for him to hit the ground. I mean, you know, we got there in the end, but we, you know, there was there was a number of games before we we even won. With Twenty one, I think it was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It was a ridiculous amount, and I thought this guy was a curse, but he came good in the end. But that's an, that's another story. That's another podcast, maybe. Um, but going back to that that customer experience side of things and and the purpose, why is it? Why do you think that that businesses? Because I think. Lots of people, I work with many contact centers as well, similar to you, and and they all have this, we want to be, we want to be, we want to do, we want, they all start off with this same, almost mantra. And We will put customers at the heart of everything we do. Yeah, you know, as soon as I hear two words, customer centric, oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah, And, and then the reality hits. How is it that, because clearly for you because you have that that purpose that frustration drives you how do you get others to buy into that though alex you know it's it's fine that you have that purpose how do we you know because all the the people listening to this podcast who are leaders of teams um of different kind of levels i guess this is and i can imagine them sitting here listening and thinking I would really love my company or my department to be truly, truly customer centric, right? Truly. And I love what Alex is saying, but it's just too big. It's just, it's just too big. It's just doesn't happen. You know, we tried it. We've tried this. How, what is it that you do? You think that others aren't doing that, as you said, it doesn't, it never, it's never going to be where you would like it to be because yeah, you have yeah. such amazingly high expectations in terms of the customer experience. Yeah. But what is it that, 
gets people to buy into you know the team absolutely the team. what is it that people buy into? It's, a very great, it's a great question because it is absolutely the thing i have to focus on more in every single role so the first thing is um I'm aware I have a weakness. I have a strength, which is also a weakness. And my strength is I join a company and within a week, sometimes less, maybe a month at the most, I know exactly what great looks like. I know where they need to get to. But then you have to take people on the journey to get there. And, and too often I'm like, well, we need to do this, 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 and this. And I lose them because I don't take them on the steps to get there. So we're talking a decade or so ago. Now. So now I, I have I have two things. I have two frameworks. Um, these aren't frameworks because I read a journal. It's because it's, I've grown up through this over 30 plus years. So because I've been an agent, I've had a customer shouting at me or saying this. I, I've thought, okay, what do we need to give that agent to give the customer the experience that they want? So they need, the inf they need four things. They need time to focus on Gary. It doesn't matter if there's 50 calls in the queue. Gary is the one. So they need to be given that framework. They need information. Hi Gary, I can see your parcel stuck here. Um, what I can do is I can do X, Y, and Z, which is empowerment. And then they need motivation. So everything I do is about, forget journey mapping and all that stuff. The first thing I think is, what is it I would need to give that person who's talking to that customer across any channel, absolutely the, the tools they would want to give a great experience to the customer. And you look at, and I don't just, there's a tick list against all four of those time, information, effort, motivation, or time as I call it. And um, the information, first of all, so um, a very simple tick list is, okay, has Gary said anything on social media today? Has he walked into a store? Has he phoned us? Has he web chatted? Has he emailed? That should be all in one repository for that agent. Hey, I can see, but not just what they've said, it's what they've done. Hi, Gary, I can see you've been trying to book a flight for the last five hours to um, Madrid. Um, so let me, uh, I can see what you've been trying to do. Let me help you with that. And next time, by the way, try this. You won't have to contact us. So the, the agent thing, but actually the thing I start with is, 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 has evolved a lot more in the last decade, which is what customers need. And I've got a framework called Epic and I didn't start call it Epic and, and then come up with the mechanisms. It's coincidence. It's called Epic. I said, what customers need, first of all, is it for easy, easy for them to, to get what they need, either information, a transaction or, or support. And easy means, okay, can they ask us how they want to and when they want to? And there's a whole tick list against that. And most companies fail. So I'm on Twitter. I want to ask you on Twitter. I'm, I'm in a retail store. I want to ask you about a mobile phone upgrade. Uh, I'm, I'm on social, sorry, I'm, I'm in your call center queue. Ugh, I don't want to wait any longer. I want to request a callback. You know, every one of these has a fail. So what does easy look like? And then personalized is, okay, as Gary starts to contact us, Okay, we can see, Gary, you've got an outstanding flight that's due to take off in three hours. Or um, we can see you've got three quotes or four orders due to be delivered in the next week. So don't just say for a new booking, press one. Say, if you're calling us about your booking, um, we'll put you through. Otherwise, change something else. And then intuitive is, is follows on from that is, why is this customer likely to be wanting to get in touch with us? Don't force them down a bunch of IVRs or chatbots or digital assistants or whatever to, to find out what they want or need. It's, it should be, okay, we know everything about this customer because we all start on one of these these days and we nearly start on an app or, or authenticated website. So as soon as I've signed in, here's this customer, Alex. This is what we know about Alex. And we actually know a huge amount about Alex. We can see he's got, he's got a quote, he's placed an order, he's got a return, he's got a delivery. So as he starts to contact us, 
make it so easy. Don't say, we talk, can you enter your order number? Say, right, is it this order or this order? Um, and don't say, um, when were you expecting the delivery? You should know, you're delivering it to me. And that's because you're being lazy. You're saying, it's not our delivery, it's FedEx or UPS or DHL. Well, that's a gap you need to close because as a customer to me, it's your delivery. And then the last and final part, which is the biggest thing missing still in, in customer experience is context. So, and I've been doing a lot of this lately. So if I'm a customer, if I'm a mother and I'm at an airport, I've just missed my flight. I've got four shrieking kids and I'm going to my sister's wedding in, in Alicante. It's important to me to get on the next, not to sit in a call center queue and be told the next available agent for two hours. Um, but if I'm a business traveler, just missed a flight to New York that goes every four hours, just let him sit in the lounge, give him some champagne. He's chilled. He doesn't mind, you know, um, no, so few companies think of the context and even, even the great Amazon, uh, if you place an order with them and it goes missing and they will say, oh, it should be there in the next two or three days. And they're not so great uh, international deliveries, domestically they're okay. How often do they say, ah, we can see that item you've ordered is this type of item. We're assuming it's high value or it's uh, for an emotional occasion. It's not like, well, your item will be dispatched tomorrow. They, they never think about what is the item. And if you think about how they could do this, they could look at the words the customer said. I've just placed an order, it's for my father's wedding anniversary in two days. Those words should be picked out and said, right, this is a customer experience issue. We need to do something different. Uh, and by the way, Alex, so we can't guarantee your father's Apple iPhone, whatever you've ordered for his wedding anniversary will be here in two days. So what we will do, we'll send you another one right now, or we'll arrange one to be, you, you can pick one up at a shop near you. And if the other one arrives, you'll have to, we'll arrange for it to be picked up or do you know what, keep it. That's what golden customers, nobody is thinking like that. So that, that's my, my framework. But to get back to your question, how do I take people on that? If I talk like that, I will lose them. So um, if I join a, an airline or delivery company or whiskey company or bank for companies I've worked with, I would say, right, are you aware when customers have ordered a 30-year-old bottle, 30 bottle of Macallan whiskey and they spent £4,000 on it, and they've said to us, um, please make sure it's delivered on this day because it's for my father's 50th wedding anniversary, that we let them down on that delivery four times out of 10. Wasn't aware of that, Alex. Well, are you aware that when they reach out to us, we currently have a policy that says, they can only reach out to us by email, by the way. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. And do you know what our email response says? Thank you. For, for, I do a Scottish language. That's where the HQ was. <laughs> thank, you for your, thank you for your inquiry. We'll get back. I went Yorkshire. Now. I won't do the accent. <laughs> thank you for your inquiry. We'll get back to you in five working days. They're like, my God, I wasn't aware of that. And so, and are you aware that what these customers will then do is they'll buy from Johnny Walker, our competitor. So I'll take them down five or six journeys that bring to life the data. And, and they're like, is that true? Is that true? And they're across the board. Yes. How do we fix it, Alex? Ah, right now, um, you need to link, blah, blah, blah. So you have to, a lot of people will present the data, but you have to bring each data to life with a persona and a story. And yeah, and someone will say, that doesn't happen very often, though, does it, Alex? And I'll always make sure I have the data. Interestingly, you could say that because Highland Park whiskey happened 22% of orders last week. <gasps> My God, you know, and, but you have to, you have to break it down to the board level. You have to talk in that way. But then when you get the thing that, always uh, I, my favorite thing is I'm not a consultant. I always like to have teams reporting into me. I will always make sure that um, I, I get time to sit with the people doing the job. If you're a delivery driver, a contact center agent, customer service person, I'll sit with them and I'll say, what drives you mental? What's the one thing, if you had a magic wand, you could fix? 
I went and said that in Mumbai, India. No, sir, I don't want the magic wand. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> just get but no, they always, <laughs> don't give me the magic wand. But no, um, they always have so many ideas. And what you have to then do is be the one that says, okay, do you know what? They were bad writers. I will fix this for you. I will be the one. You give me the ideas. We'll work on them together. I'll be the one that takes them and works on them on your behalf. Because if I can fix it, it's good for me and good for you. And so it's walking in customer's shoes, turning it into board level language, but 100% working with the people at the bottom as well. And it's, you know, that's why I get frustrated when I hear CX keynote speakers. They go on stage, hey, we need to energize the staff. I'm like, oh, shut up. Talk specifically about the business you're working with. And, but the, the last, I keep saying the last thing, I'm like the Spanish Inquisition here, but the very last thing I, I never forget is when I was, I was a customer service agent for a good calendar year when I started taking calls and I was so like, oh, this is ridiculous. And I, I broke every process. I'll phone you back tomorrow morning, guys. We weren't supposed to make outbound calls. Leave it with me. I'll, I'll, I'll apply the credit, you know, and everything I did was against process. Got me in trouble so much, but I always had the most amazing customer feedback. And I, I realized, okay, I've got to get to the level where I can fix things that way. So yeah, quite a long answer again, but that's what drives me. I think that's an incredibly good answer and very accurate. And I think the, the one word, I mean, there's many things that I picked up from there, but I think context. Content. Absolutely, yeah, 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 and nobody does it. Nobody, I can't think of a single company that does yeah. it. And I read it. So my next, uh, the bank I'm working with now, we're trying to do that. But this won't be my last job. Don't worry. I have a, a, a threshold of a, a boredom of two to three years. You look at me <laughs> on LinkedIn, you'll see that. But um, once I get things up and running and stable, I'm like, can we do amazing things? And if they say no, nah, we don't need to, then I, I will find my next purpose. Which uh, yeah. who knows when that will be. But I, I want to be the, the. Do you know what? Actually, the last thing I want to be is the person that delivers. This is what customer experience should be like in five years or now. It should be, hey, Amazon, um, that order I placed two days ago, um, it was supposed to be here this morning. It's now 4 p.m. Where is it? I put my phone down. That's my customer service case raised. You can either speak it or type it into the app. That's it. That should be what customer experience is. Why do you have to sign in and blah, blah. It should be as simple as that. And I want to deliver that somewhere. Sure, I'm sure it will happen. I'm sure it will happen somewhere, some point. <laughs> I just want to kind of go a bit, bit deeper onto that context bit because, yeah. and the reason being, I think there's two sides to that. There's the context from the customer's point of view, as you yeah. mentioned, you know, it's the, the father-in-law, the, the parents' uh, wedding anniversary. But then there's also the context of the employee, absolutely what they're going through and the challenges that they're facing and and that's why there's that frustration where we we know that you know certain keynote speakers get up and talk about energizing and all of that sort of stuff which in itself is is i don't i don't dislike it yeah absolutely it's it's not a wrong thing to say but really it's the case of actually give me the specifics because when i go into a contact center i want to deal with specifics yeah where is the problem and how do we fix it and that only can happen when you understand the context right yeah and you know what that's again i I love you've gone down that angle because the other thing i wanted to i I might have forgotten to say that one of the biggest things i change entirely is a culture of measuring how many calls did we answer how many chats do we deal with how many social media i i chat on how many customers did we resolve their issue yeah so uh if you're talking to me as a customer, you can absolutely say, okay, leave it with me. I'll find out for you and I'll call you back. Or you can say, right, 
Um, I can't tell from our logistics system now if it's going to come today, but what I'll do is I'll own it. I'll check if it's coming tomorrow. If not, I'll arrange a replacement. Leave it with me. I will contact you back. Uh, and how do you want me to contact you back? You want an SMS, a phone call, an email, whatever. And that to me is such a better environment for customer service staff. What's your job? It's solving customer issues. I'm empowered. I get to investigate. Because if you think, computer says no, next one, computer says no, you just, 200 of these sometimes a day I've seen agents take, and they must go home and like, ugh. Whereas if you took 50 of those and were allowed to empower them and own them, you'd feel so good about yourself. Uh, but customers would be, wow, that's amazing. But also, do you know what is so frustrating? I once worked through an efficiency model, a financial efficiency model, allowing the, the agent to focus on the customer's issue when they finish the call or the chat or whatever, um, find out what's going on and own it is at least 50% less expensive as just got to take another call, no, Mr. Customer, you're going to have to phone back again, blah, blah, blah. And it is just, uh, yeah, so um, employee... Uh, uh, and the other thing, I, ch I chuck away scripts without doubt. I, I say these are things you have to, and if they're things you have to say, just make sure you use these words. I don't care about in the specific sentence, but 100%, I measure, uh, I measure my customer service staff on what customers say. And what I do is I, after every interaction, I will create a case for a customer. Even if we think we've resolved it, if, if Gary phones up and says, Hey, uh, do, you, do you sell credit cards? Yeah, we sell credit cards, glam. We'd create a case and close it. But you can then go into your app or your website and go to your My Stuff section. Hey, I made a call, spoke to Alex about credit cards. I can now give feedback on Alex, the effort it took to talk to Alex, and what that he said to me about. So the effort, the experience, and the outcome. So we don't send surveys or SMSs. A customer, any time, can say what they felt about me, about the bank, or about the effort and the products. And... So if, um, if enough customers think, you know, Alex was awesome, but the products suck, then Alex will get a tick and the products, it, it's, uh, it's another one of those, I think almost trillion dollar, if not multi-billion dollar things, voice of the customer surveys. We get texts every day at the wrong time. Um, and there's a, a classic example I had two days ago. Hi, Alex, your credit uh, for your returned items will be applied in the next 48 hours. And then within five seconds, how, would you, how happy are you with the outcome? Yeah. I don't know. I know if the credit's been applied in 48 hours. And, and believe it. And do you know what? That was four days ago and they haven't done it. I'm like, yeah. I, knew, I knew you wouldn't. Oh. <laughs> you would write the whole off. <laughs> and those sort of Crazy. things are what drive us mad as customers, right? So Absolutely. I guess what we really, what are the takeaways from, from here, really? I think if you're in business, whether you're a small business, if you're a one-man band, or you're part of a corporate and you're listening to this podcast, what do you, would you say if you, I know there's many take, I mean, I've got loads of takeaways <laughs> from listening to you and, yeah. and you know, there's not, nothing new there, but if you could kind of summarize three takeaways for our listeners today, okay. Okay. Based on, on purpose, because it all comes down to purpose because yeah, obviously, yeah. first of all, if, if the organization has a purpose, but also if you can help your team, recognize their purpose because that's Absolutely. another thing and i know you know and i say this to my clients and they look at me sometimes i say if you engage with my services you need to understand that you may lose some people and they look Absolutely. at me because they think i'm suddenly gonna gonna make everything better and i will but there <laughs> yeah, is yeah. sometimes because what will happen is i will help people to understand why they're doing what they're doing or why yeah, yeah. you know why they're not doing what they want to be doing and that comes down to their purpose. 
And so some people, after a period of time, they suddenly realize, do you know what? This isn't what I want to be doing. I get paid incredibly well for this, but I don't want to be doing this stuff. I want to do that. So they leave. So I think it's the purpose of the people and the purpose of the organization. Those are my two things that I always, always recognize in every company. What are your three takeaways? Okay, so um, I'm lucky that I've worked for uh, startups where there's been 20 people through to companies of 60,000 employees. And so I don't just have a one size. The first takeaway is if you talk to anyone in CX and they give you a one size fits all strategy, chuck them out the door. They should literally say, right, before I give you any thoughts on CX, what are your company objectives? What do you want to achieve? And I'll be surprised. Um, it's like a football man, uh, football chairman. Our goal is to get relegated this season. No one's going to say that. They're going to say, right, we want to acquire more customers at the best cost we can and keep the customers we've got. We want to make profit. So they will all say that. So you then say, right, okay, um, how, how do you think you can do that? What's your USP? If they don't have a USP, right, go back and call me when you've got a USP because otherwise you're just putting a toe in a huge pond. So Okay, yeah, we, we're going to have the best product or the best um, interest rates. No, it could be any, any, any industry set. We're going to have the best X. Okay, right. Okay, so to deliver the best X, I can now tell you how you should have the best customer experience framework to achieve those results. So what do you mean, Alex? Well, I mean, you don't want any customer to not be able to give up on a sale because they can't get the information they want quickly and easily agreed all right so you know that means you need to be on you have solutions on twitter facebook instagram whatsapp social media app contact centers digital and they all need to be joined together okay yeah and then you need a system to join them together so what crm platform do you have don't have one well you need one and then you need a crm system that needs to be joined to your erp system your stock system or your driver delivery system okay so tell me about your it strategy uh Oh, yeah. Okay, well, call me back when you've got an IT strategy. I won't waste time with that. And then, um, okay, right, so I know what your vision is. I can 100% tell you the things you need to do for your customers. And now let me spend some time with your employees and I'll come up with a vision, which is your employees will love the vision. I will love the vision and we'll put a business case around it. And then you'll say, sounds wonderful. How do we do it? So I'll go in there with it. These are, if you employ... And, because I'm not a consultant, this is why I say in interviews. So I often scare people. No, we don't want him, Alex. A uh, great interview. I'm afraid it's a no. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I, I'm happy to scare people off. But if you, as I said at the start, if you hire me, I, I will be your biggest pain in the ass because I will constantly say that's bad for your customers. That's bad for the people that serve your customers. And so t- the three things are okay. What is what is your North Star as a company? And then I will very quickly come up with a CX North Star. It has to be a North Star, not a moon or a, a blue sky. We want to, what is amazing look like? What, um, what is, per, and they always talk me down from amazing, but I'm, I'm always prepared for that. Okay, so we've now agreed, this is what we need to do. And in the parcel delivery world, we will tell our customers what time to expect their parcel. God, Alex, we agreed that because we realized it was achievable, a lot of pain. So come up with your vision and then, North Star vision is then, okay, what do our employees need? Now, what does that vision look like to our customers um, superficially? So how can they um, track progress of orders? How can they do things on any channel? And then how do we need to deliver that under the iceberg? So what are the things? And then finally, what do we need to do to give our employees the time, information, motivation, and empowerment across every channel? So it's, um, it's the North Star vision the what does great customer experience look like to a customer forget the internal i'm on an app a 
website, uh, walking into a store, what does that look like? And then how do we deliver that for the, the customer service or every member of the, the company to, to do that? And um, yeah, it's bloody impossible, but it's, it's fun. And if you're driven to it, you, you get out. And like I said, I, I never come home and think, yes, we've cracked it. We now have the most amazing, but I think we've made steps. And you know, the great thing about customer experience is if we got to here in two years, say, say here was amazing. If we got here in two years, it would now be here because it moves every day, doesn't it? So, like I said, right now, I want to say, Gaz, can I have a pizza? The one you sent last night didn't have pepperoni on it. I'll have a refund and deliver it in 10 minutes. Done. And they'd know everything about it. We're never going to get there for a long time, but I still think like that. So, employ an idiot like me with the stupid ideas, bring it down to reality, and then motivate and engage people. Um, I'm not Marmite. Marmite like you. If you don't want to employ me, it's fine. That's it. Great stuff. Alex, always learning, always learning, always championing customer experience. I love that about you. Um, okay. Listen, how can people get in touch with you? Because I'm sure there's going to be people listening to this and, and find it intriguing and find you intriguing as I do. How can they get in touch with you, sir? I'm What's on LinkedIn. So um, Alex Mead, I think it says Chief Customer Service Experience Officer. I put the service in there to differentiate from all the thousands of CX experts. Um, but also, um, interesting, my email address, which is fine, I, I can always spam it, alexmead at sky.com. And I've never worked for Sky, and I get loads of complaints about Sky TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault, but I will try and help you. Yeah, so alexmead at sky.com or, um, or Alex James Mead, if you want to Twitter me, which is tweet me even, which yeah. is quite cool. Good stuff. So, so get in touch with that way. So thank you so much for your time today. I'm You're sure welcome. there's Pleasure. many, 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 many people going to be listening to this episode and thinking about their customer experience and how they're dealing with it. You know, are they really putting the customer first, you know, Absolutely. or are they, as many do, make it so difficult for the customer to do business with us? So thank you very much, sir. And it's been, it's been an absolute honor to get to know you and to hear what Pleasure's you have. mine. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Cheers, Alex. Well, I hope you really enjoyed what Alex had to say, and I hope you learned a lot about customer experience and all what Alex had to say there in that particular episode. And actually, if you'd like to get in touch with him, please send him an email. His email address is alexmead, that's all one word, alexmead, at sky.com alexmead at sky.com thanks again for listening to the your path to purpose podcast living a life that gets you jumping out of bed with excitement just before i go i just want to remind you that if you have a sales or a customer service team that may be underperforming at the moment or if you are a business leader and you need some support, please send an email to me. My email address is gary at garymorgan.coach. That's gary at garymorgan.coach because I'd love to be able to help and support you because when we know and when we find our passion when we find our purpose and when we live that purpose, 
performance increases, life becomes more enjoyable. And that's very often the case within ourselves, our customer service, and even with ourselves as business leaders. So please get in touch. Thanks once again for listening. And as always, it's been a pleasure.